from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for listening to the G and Ursula Show. Yes, Ursula is back, and she's back. And at like 9.30 today, <laughs> she's already ruffled feathers. Ursula, what's going on well, with you? I didn't intend to, but it happened, and I found myself trying to explain myself, and then I realized... I hope I didn't sound judgy when I mentioned the types of voters different candidates got. Correct. But maybe maybe I did come across as judgy, so we're going to find out. Oh, is this going to be like a you be the judge? <laughs> oh, I didn't know this was going to do it like that because I know all my brothers and sisters listen. They're like, oh, we're we going to write this down. We can judge this. <laughs> all right. Well, good. Everybody's here. Chef is here. Nick is here. And coming up at 1130. Now, I know you guys sometimes get upset when we bring up sports. However, we, you, all of us need to catch Ursula up on the tea, right? What's oh, been yeah. going on since oh, she's yeah. been gone? And she was gone and now she's back and a whole lot of stuff has happened. So text in 888-973-5476 and text in what you want me to start off with first with Ursula on the sports talk. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I, I'm going to tell you right now, though, my yeah. husband... Uh, he's is, he, someone, is he okay? Uh, I, I, I'm worried about him when it comes to these, the, the U-Dub in particular. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I want to find out if other Husky fans are feeling the same way. Because he's been on an emotional roller coaster oh, yeah. with the Huskies. Yeah, he said you can't go from a you know national championship <laughs> game to suddenly you're without your head coach and you lose some of your best recruits. Man, it's like going home <laughs> on a Friday night and then before you know it on Sunday you're still single. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Brought to you by Garden Roofing Gutters. One of these days, we just got to take off the gloves. Just really go at it. I got to follow up on, on one of the craziest crime stories from yesterday. So yeah, up in Everett, mm. yesterday, there were three Kias that descended on the Marijuana Club 99. We all know what happens. One of them smashes into the pot shop. And with a, an attempted robbery in progress, a business owner at a neighboring shop rushes over, bear sprays the suspects. Uh, they get away. He interrupts everything. No arrests are made. Police uh, interview the guy. And, gee, I, this might sound like a, a crazy question, but I have to ask it. Should you have the right to assault someone who's committing a property crime without hurting anyone else? Like, if you're a prosecutor and the suspects say, hey, that guy, that guy assaulted me, would you even consider filing a case? Uh, if I were it, no. Yes. I would not. Because... All he did was took a little uh, bear spray to him yeah. just to slow him down. Mm-hmm. It's not like he pulled out his guns mm-hmm. and went the gun blazing and everything like that. Here, so, for an example, if I see someone, let's take my neighbors. If I see someone breaking into my neighbor's house, I'm not going to go over there with a flashlight and say, I see you. I'm going to go over there and you about to stop and I'm about to make you stop. So if I'm going to get in trouble, all my law enforcement brothers and sisters and all, all those out there, let me know if I can get in trouble. So to answer your question, I do not think that the person with the bear spray who acted should get in tr- any type of trouble for this. And I actually agree with you. And I think it would be hard to f- I believe it would be hard to find a jury or a judge who would say, hey, you had no right to do that because he witnessed a crime in progress mm-hmm. and wanted to help stop 
the property and, and damage. To, well, not just the property damage, but stop these people from getting away with this crime yeah. that he just witnessed them committing. Um, and he chose a non-lethal way, as, as G said, didn't use a gun, sure. uh, used bear spray, which just would be a deterrent, but would not be. I don't look at that as an assault. I look at that as if you he, got bear sprayed, you would not consider that an assault. If I got bear sprayed because I broke into another business, no, I would consider. I would consider. <laughs> I would consider. I promise it, I'm not trolling. Yeah, I would consider it uh, my just desserts. Okay, <laughs> the, the reason I bring this up is because, like, what? There's a fine line here, right? So if I see somebody shoplifting at Walmart, can I pepper spray them? That seems a little, uh, a little beyond the pale, right? If you see someone breaking into a car, can you hit them with a stick? Or a club? Can you pepper spray them? Like I legit think there's a legal there's a legal question here because if someone is just committing a property crime, and I, I realize that's a gross reduction of the harm that's caused by property crimes, if someone is not going to hurt another person, what right do you have to then hurt them back to physically assault them? Well, I think you could make the argument that as the neighbor of this particular business, he also felt that his business could be threatened as well because these alleged suspects went as far as you know busting into the place with mm-hmm. these stolen cars okay okay I, I, I do want to say this before we go I think that and I this question I'm gonna to take to my daughter and I'm gonna ask her this question because in my heart I, I'm thinking that there are a lot of people that probably disagree with you and I, Ursula. I think that there would be a case made to where they would actually try to prosecute someone because they would say, hey, this wasn't self-defense of you. You right. came out of your – it wasn't your house. It wasn't your stuff. And you made it a point to come out there and assault this person and do whatever you needed to do to that person. And so that right there is assault. And what you should have done was call the police. Call the police. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we have a growing vigilante problem, right? Yeah. I, I, look, I, I would say that I'm I'm wrong, but I'm just will do it. And by the way, if you guys remember the Houston, uh, down in Houston at that ra- restaurant, that customer back in early 2023 that uh, shot and killed a robbery suspect. Uh, you guys can look that up. That person was just cleared for that wrongdoing mm. because that ro- the robber came in, tried to hold up the place. Somebody was armed. They shot the guy. They tra- he had to face a grand jury. He ended up being cleared. That makes that. total sense to me. Life's in danger. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Go ahead and pull out the strap. All right, uh, Ursula, there are eight finalists, apparently, for the open citywide city council seat here in Seattle that has been vacated by Teresa Mosqueda, who's now with King County. Uh, One of the leading candidates that's being considered is Tanya Wu, Mm -hmm. who just lost an election to Tammy Morales. Now, it was a narrow loss. It was only a couple hundred votes, I believe. But there are some questions raised about whether it is appropriate for a city council to appoint someone to an open seat when voters just rejected that candidate. Where do you stand on this? Do you think that's a fair thing to do? I actually think Tanya Wu would make a great replacement candidate uh, for a number of reasons. One, she represents the International District, which is, I think, uh, an area of the city of Seattle that isn't well represented on the council. Uh, Secondly, she was actually quite popular amongst voters in that district. She didn't beat the incumbent who had uh, perhaps a stronger campaign, but she did fairly well against her. Uh, And then... 
uh, finally, she also has support of, I think, four of the incoming candidates. And essentially, she's basically going to be a placeholder, and then voters will decide. Um, so have to run again. If she, Yeah, exactly. If she deserves another run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the argument could be made, though, that there were some losing candidates that had closer margins in their particular races. Sure. But I think she is someone who fits maybe... Uh, or maybe you can check check off a few more boxes with her. I think you helped. You helped. Is that how you want to put it? <laughs> well, now that I'm going to get in trouble with this one too. <laughs> Welcome back, Ursula. Okay, <laughs> okay wait. Okay. Let, let's go with the. There was no malintent with that either. <laughs> I'm just going to be apologizing all morning. All right, uh, I, I, Ursula, you you helped me out. So yeah. you, you come back and we're agreeing on everything and agree to disagree. You helped me out with that answer right there. Yeah. I think it just makes sense. And then once she is uh, appointed to that spot, considering that she was the runner-up, then she's going to have to still run again. Yes. It makes the most sense. Yes. It's not like she's going to be there automatically. The voters will have their opportunity to vote. I'm, Are you kidding would me? You, would, you, would you rather have someone who had zero votes? I mean, so just to bring someone... How In do you pick someone? How do you I mean, pick that, someone That's a the good street? question, but I think uh, the idea is that if you want to have a functional city council that has good working relationships, the idea that you would bring in somebody who's sitting on the council bring in their opponent that they lost to in their campaign to sit across from that person every day for the next year and legislate alongside them, you're, you're immediately creating voting blocks and factions that I don't think is healthy. Like, sorry, Tammy, we don't like you, so we're bringing in the person that lost to you. And they're going to have an equal voice. That's a horrible idea. I thought we wanted to have function on the city council. We didn't want to have more dysfunction. Uh, you bring up a great point, but I'm going to argue that in this particular case with this particular candidate and this, per- I'm I'm just going to say it. I'm surprised that Tammy Morales made it again. Me too. I think <laughs> so, a lot of people were. So this is, I think, a, a workaround, you might call it. Well, let's play, uh, let's play a little game uh, called, what should we call it? Shall we be offended? Shall we be offended? And the reason I bring this up is because oh, no. earlier in the show, uh, Ursula, you were discussing the different demographic support uh, for Donald Trump and Nikki Haley that they both share. And we had not one, not two, but three separate people write in. Yes, they were I will have you play me. what you said first about uh, President, uh, former President Trump and then about Nikki Haley. And, and, and who he does well feedback. with, which yes. voters he do. Trump does really well with people who live in rural areas. Uh, the evangelical voters, they, he does really well with them, mm-hmm. and also people who don't have college educations. Okay, can I just say I was listing facts? Yes. It yeah. was not meant to be a judgment. But we had, when I we said, had someone write in and say, like, how, how dare you assume that people are uneducated, uneducated or unintelligent because and they're I never said that. not college educated. I right? never said that. I think they took that leap. Uh, but that is an actual demographic that pollsters look at. Do you have a college education? Do you not? That doesn't. That's not a judgment. It is more. We're trying to understand who votes for a certain candidate. Just like someone lives in the suburbs, someone lives in a rural area. Just like someone is um, of a certain wealth demographic, and someone who doesn't have a lot of money. These are all just trying to understand who a typical voter is for this particular candidate. Not meant to be a judgment. Okay, what did I say on Nikki Haley? To me, she sounds more like 
a more moderate Republican. So I think she she is doing well with the educated Republican voters. There's where I made a mistake. It should have been college educated. Uh, See, the the listener wrote in and they said uh, the term educated referring to people who attend college is offensive. The inference is that those who didn't attend college aren't educated. Mm. Time for a change. Honestly, no matter how you say it, though. Gonna, I think I think if you are, let's say, like me, and you haven't been to college, or you're just a high school graduate, every time you hear someone say, so-and-so does really well with high school graduates, it is offensive, even if it is a fact. And I'm not saying that you, you meant it that way, because I know your heart, and I know that you didn't mean it that way. But I hate the way that the demographic is described. Like, how come they never describe the demographic of... Uh, Donald Trump does really well amongst extremely poor individuals and those who are impoverished. We never talk about rich versus poor, but we talk about education levels, though, as though it's a proxy for one's ability to evaluate the merits of a candidate. But they do talk about uh, income levels. Uh, and there, there was a whole. We talk book, about college way before income. Yeah, there was a best selling book about the whole middle part of the country that went for Trump that yes. this the ignored middle part of the country. Yeah, hillbilly elegy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now a Senate Now can I throw myself under the bus? Because yesterday, G, we were having a conversation in which I used the term Bellevue Housewives. Mm. And I had three Ooh, I saw that. <laughs> right hey, in, and hey. they were like, oh, oh, I got roasted. I saw that. Hey. So in the year 2024, <laughs> G, can Yo. we? <laughs> no, you can't that's say that. St- that's, that's stereotyping. Yeah, yeah stereotyping. Because right? you, yeah. you're not saying yeah. it in a way to elevate the Bellevue Housewife. Right. You're saying it as a, a negative. I just, and I want to just assure everybody, mm-hmm. because I will say this loud and proud some of the smartest people i know do not have college educations and having a college education does not mean that you're smart and not having one does not mean you're not smart Ursula, some of my best friends that i grew up with <laughs> what are you talking about some of, some of my best friends don't have a college education so i feel free to say whatever i want to say right, right now exactly because as long as i preface it with some, some of, my of my best, best friends <laughs> it's funny you mention that g because uh I just don't think anyone can be offended by the term housewife because I personally would have no issue with being called a house husband. In fact, I aspire to becoming a house husband. Gabby, come on, pull through for me. You can do it. I want to say say this. I just want you to know that I I meant I I really mean it in someone saying, Ursula, do not apologize for stating facts. I was just stating facts. And there was just but I understand that some people may have been offended. And for that, I apologize. I'll tell y'all what offends me. <laughs> What's that? A lot. <laughs> but no. I think that, like, I don't want to make fun of anyone that hears things and be and is overly sensitive to something. But I, I seriously want to share with you all what I'm overly sensitive of is when someone is talking about another person and they say, oh, oh, you know, Steve, huh. Steve, good people comes from a two parent household. When I hear that, yeah, when I hear that, I that one that one gets me right there. The whole two parent yeah. household, as if, well, as if if you come from a one parent household, that you can't be a good person. You, Steve, can't be a good person if he was from a one parent household. So anyway, I just want to share my triggers, and I also want to tell you guys that one of my best friends come from a single household family and double two household family, two parent household. So. 
You can say it. I can say it as long as I got best friends. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I'm glad we've clarified everything. Yeah, a lot of clarification here. Coming up next here on the G and Ursula Show, it is time to catch Ursula up on the tee on what's happening in the sports world. You text in and let me know where you want to start off with first. What is the biggest amount of tea we should start off with Ursula with sports here in the Seattle area? Gina Ursula. Ursula Show, happy to be back with all of you. And while I was gone, there was a bunch of big, fat sports news. <laughs> I missed a bunch of big stories. So let's start with a couple of uh, them, like Seahawks coach Pete Carroll. Um, can I tell you how? Told, yeah. Can, can you just ride with me on the yeah. journey and how it started? Yeah. Okay, that's how it started. So on Sunday, the Seahawks traveled down to Arizona, right? Uh-huh. And they had to beat the Arizona Cardinals. And if they did, they still needed the Green Bay Packers to lose to the Bears. Right. Well, with like three minutes left to go in the game, the announcement was made. The Bears lost to the Green Bay Packers. Right. As we just saw them beat the Dallas Cowboys. And then essentially told Seattle, your playoff chances are over. It's yeah. done. Pack it up. So folks here in Seattle was hurting. So we came in on the show on Monday. Well, some people thought we'd lost the game, and then I realized they won the game at the very end, right? Uh, That was me. (laughs) Okay, no, there was was someone else. There was someone else on social media. Oh, that was me. I I thought we lost. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, and I watched the game. Um, So... And then on Monday, we came in, was like, oh, it's all cool. Yeah. Husky this, husky that. It was, it was Everybody was talking about the Huskies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody yeah. and mama was talking about the Huskies. Here we go. Monday night, oh, Dylan Johnson gets hurt early. The Huskies only rush for 41 yards. Michigan yeah. rushes for 300 yards. Yeah. It's kind of a pathetic. They lost the game. Yeah. So it was hurting. But we was hurting. But we were still optimistic, right? Like, everything was cool. Yeah, the Huskies did great. Still the best that they've done. It had been a national championship yeah. game in 30 years. We was all good. And we have a great coach. Right. So that was so that was Monday night. We're going to Tuesday. Tuesday morning is all cool. So Chef and I are talking back and forth. We're looking at each other. And um, Charlie comes on one side of the, of the window. Behind me, I look at Charlie. He wants to come in. He never does that. I see Heather Bosch wants to come in right here, and I'm like, whatever this is, is big. Like, really big. Like, yeah. like wow, right? So Charlie just has this concerned look in his face, and Charlie comes over by Chef's computer, and Chef's kind of sitting there looking at him, and instead of him telling the chef, Charlie grabs the microphone. I'm like, oh, man, this is... And he says, hey, just a minute ago, it has been confirmed that Pete Carroll is no longer head coach. What? That's just huge news. So, that's too, so that happens. So, it's like, so we're recovering to that, talking about that. Oh, my goodness, all this stuff and everything. And then, oh, by the way, just so you know, uh, Nick Saban retires the next day. And it's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Is Kalen DeBoer under contract? Oh, by the way, Kalen DeBoer is one of the candidates. And then Kalen DeBoer leaves here. And so, Ursula, it was a rough, rough 
week. Yes. So I'm getting you up to speed. Now, as you know, your husband is a Husky fan, huge Husky fan. Huge. You know now, a lot of folks were mad at Kalen DeBoer oh, yeah. for leaving here yes. and going to Alabama. Yes. Left. Well, because not only did he leave, but also meant that these recruits that were going to come in yeah. also decided, oh, we're going back to the Boral. Right. There you right? go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so now they're leaving. And there was a lot of talk about the culture. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, boy, this is going to be a great uh, next couple of years because he can build on this great run that they had up into this national championship. Right. And all that from, from going from a national championship game on Monday to all of a sudden now you have no head coach and uh, all the good players that were going to be coming in are no longer going to be coming in. And also the 43rd ranked recruiting class coming in. Yes, it was devastating for many Husky fans. So my question to you guys was, does this change uh, Kalen DeBoer's legacy? I know that you were a huge fan of his. Huge. So much so, I want... And and, and and Chef, he can he can butt in whenever he wants to. <laughs> two, two and a half months ago, I sat here on the show before Ursula. I said to you guys. I heard. Pay this man $100 million right now. Yeah. And $100 Chef, million's ridiculous. And then Chef said. <laughs> and Chef no. Said, <laughs> don't. Please. Yeah. I, as far as his legacy, it depends on what he does in Alabama. Because... Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty clear he bailed ship here because it was an opportune time at one of the best programs in the country. And he also knew that his chances of succeeding yes. next year with Without the Huskies, Michael Penix? not good. Yes. And so he's never going to get a shot in, in Alabama in the future if he didn't take it now. So if he falls on his face in Alabama, yeah. he'll be remembered yeah. as the guy that you know, you, got lucky with the Huskies. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that, what, that, I'll tell you what I believe. from Chris I'll t- Peterson's I'll, picks. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what I believe about Kalen DeBoer. Oh. There's nothing about Kalen DeBoer has, that has changed for me. I think that man is an incredible coach. Uh-huh. And I think he is going to go over to Alabama. And and look, I'm not saying he's going to be Nick Saban. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think he's going to go to Alabama and be successful. Okay. The dude is a really good coach. And I know people don't want to hear that. And so now you got enough. Now the Huskies have a coach that left his wife. I mean, they left his team. <laughs> Freudian slip. Freudian slip. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jed Fish did not leave his wife. That was just me in my metaphors saying that people are upset. People are very upset in Arizona. They They think he's a climber, too. Exactly. Yeah. And so how long is he going to be for Huskies? Okay, but, okay, so we went through the Huskies real quick. How about the Seahawks? So now we've got, what, five candidates? Does this mean that that Jody Allen is closer to wanting to sell the team? Does that that play into any of all, all this? I don't know. I, I don't know. Here's what I do know. I do know that, you know, we, as far as feeling and answers, we, you are, you're already caught up to speed. We know as much as you know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what this is going to be like. We've yeah. had Pete Carroll for 14 seasons. Yeah. And uh, he there, sounded like he was truly surprised oh, yeah. that he tried to, <laughs> that he tried to make a case for staying. Mm-hmm. 
and it just came out, just looked at it, uh, John Snyder just did an interview. So basically, no matter who the head coach is, John Snyder is going to be the one who will have the final say on personnel decisions. So um, there's a lot up in the air. I have no idea what's going to be happening with the Seahawks as far as candidates are concerned. Um, There is People were watching Dallas uh, with great interest, and suddenly the Dallas guy is not so interesting anymore. Right. That was uh, DQ. Dan Quinn, who used to be the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, his name has been thrown out there as a possible candidate. And what uh, Raheem, about Harbaugh? Har- I don't Michigan's know, coach. I don't know that I haven't seen his name. It's been talked about through fans and speculation. I haven't seen his name as far as being offered an opportunity to come out here and interview. Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator for the uh, Rams, is a name out there. So who, who, whoever the coach is going to be, right? Like big shoes are going to need to be filled, not just with the Seahawks, but with the Huskies. Yeah. Jed Fish, who, by the way, um, is someone I knew when he was here as the quarterback's coach in 2010 uh, when Pete first got here. He also was an offensive coordinator, offered my son a scholarship when he was at UCLA. I think Jed Fish is a really good hire. Mm. He is a really good coach, especially an offensive-minded coach. Okay. So I think he, you guys got a good one. What that's going to mean, we don't know. So I'm giving you all the tea, but still we have no idea what the future is going to look like. College football these days it's very different. Oh, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think that there, it's more like the Wild West where, where the NFL actually has to deal with more rules. Mm. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm parroting my husband right now. <laughs> well, hey, hey, Ursula, you remember back in the day when you and I used to talk about college football? Uh, yes. I, I'm still <laughs> old school when it comes to the idea that... Education? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what you, what you thinking now? Now I'm thinking it's pro ball. <laughs> It's just part of the NFL. <laughs> Let's see. But then that's us talking. But then, look, you know who, who really ruins the party? Chef. Chef comes in with the tax implications that the public doesn't isn't aware of. You still good well, building stadiums too. for like private billionaires? <laughs> You want to do the he same thing with colleges? Point. Oh, he makes a great point. <laughs> he, makes a, he, he makes a great point. So much it's so. It's the same. It bothers you. <laughs> oh, it's good to have Ursula back. Now it's time to go over your text messages, feedback, and then you know what? Ursula is back with the first words to live by from her in 2024. Steve Ursula. Show. Oh, it is good to have Ursula back. Ooh, she's back. Ursula, you ain't rusty. I thought you said you was going to be rusty. Girl, you ain't Do you rusty. know I, I walked in and I couldn't remember my own password? Oh, really? <laughs> I had to go onto my phone and look it up. Like, <laughs> That's well, how long it's been. Well, we're going to get to the text messages from all of you. Uh, Ursula, you want to start us out? Yes. So the state attorney general, Bob Ferguson, is suing to stop the mega murder deal with Kroger and Albertsons. Melinda and Belby says, thank you, Bob Ferguson. The grocery store merger would be terrible. How did the Rite Aid Bartels deal end up? Wow. 
3610 says, in regards to the merger, the larger the buying power, the cheaper the product will be to the uh, to the end and for the user. Thank you. I enjoy the show. And I will say that's not always the case because if you have a monopoly, that there is less incentive to lower those prices. Uh, Brian and Bellevue says, I was working for Albertsons when they acquired Vons and Safeway. My store was thankfully not affected, and that made me one of the lucky ones. They had to dump off several stores all over the place for monopoly of legal reasons, and Hagen took the sold stores over and failed miserably. Customers were paying astronomical prices and stopped shopping at Hagen almost immediately. A lot of my former co-workers at my old store that was sold off lost their job. People were driving further to buy food, and our tiny little store became overwhelmed with the overflow. Grocery store mergers are rough. Mm. Bear spraying some, uh, someone committing a property crime. Mark says, in a perfect world, I would agree with Chef. That said, we lack enough law enforcement and judicial uh, will to hold at least the flagrant offenders accountable. There are a lot of examples of disaster victims being looted. Our local businesses and some residential areas are feeling the same way. On former President Trump winning the Iowa caucuses, Tramal in Federal Way says 115,000 Republicans turned out, and that was the lowest turnout in a decade. The press is going nuts trying to make it this huge thing, and yet it really isn't. The press is elevating it to being the indication of a huge Trump win. It's not. Mike Huckabee won in 2008, Rick Santorum in 2012, Ted Cruz won it in 2016, and Pete Buttigieg won in 2020. <laughs> Four of my favorite presidents. Tramal, you make a great point, but Iowa's the first, so. Yeah. NBC exclusively streams playoff football on Peacock. Chris and Magnolia says, in five years, the Super Bowl will be pay-per-view. Chris, I agree with you, and just like I never thought that we'd be paying for water and $10 for coffee. Go ahead. Uh-oh, here's 425 says, gee, stop crying. Back in the 70s, they used to black out the home games if they didn't sell enough tickets. Besides that, all of the first world problems not getting to see a playoff football game has got to be at the bottom of the list. They was doing that in 99 when I first moved here. Seahawks games were being blacked out. Cliff in Woodenville says, I happen to have Peacock already, so it didn't affect me. But I was shocked they made an exclusive deal to stream an NFL playoff game. I actually shouldn't be surprised. They're following the boiled frog mythology to get consumers converted to streaming, but I'm still disgusted. So I, in the 10 o'clock hour, I shared my personal journey with my mom in her final weeks, and I asked the question, have you told your family your final wishes? 360 says, thank you, Ursula, for sharing your recent difficult and heart-touching experience with us. It's so good to have you back. Thank you. In Washington, people can sign a portable orders for life-sustaining treatment or a pulsed form. And your per- preferences for amount of medical intervention, CPR, breathing assistance, nutrition assistance, etc., are set forth in writing and can speak for you if you are medically unable to speak for yourself. You can get the form from your doctor. Fantastic advice. Eddie says, thank you, Ursula. I'll blame you when I bring it up to my parents. Please Appreciate do. this show being so open. That's why it's my daily. Stacy and Gig Harbor says, having the discussion with your loved ones about your wishes is very important, but it is paramount having your wills and directives completed with an attorney. True. Loved ones, if you can. Loved ones may not specifically know what to do in every scenario. A knowledgeable attorney will ask all the right questions and provide details if, uh, of your rights and options. Okay, Ursula, let's get to it. 
is now time for Words to Live By, brought to you by Wilcox Farms. And my quote today is about gratitude. I don't know who to credit for this, but I, I love it. At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lit the flame within us. And I mention this because, as I said, so many of you reached out. Your messages today, your messages in the past couple of weeks have meant so much to me and have really given me light when there was only darkness. Mm. And I cannot thank you enough. Oh, good stuff. Great words to live by right there. That light part, that's huge. Brother Nick! Well, just when you thought times were cold and frigid on your bench, you could have a sewage pipe burst out your sink and leave a stench. Or to add insult to injury for a pot shop robber caught with a generous, pungent bear spray dose that ties you up in knots. So feel grateful for our day that gave us far much better slack. And of course, where would you rather be when when Ursula's coming back? So I speak for all the listeners when I make this easy claim. We have good times with our guests, but without you is not the same. And we're glad to have you back with us. Mm, Thank you. And I want to say we are so lucky. I realize I am the luckiest person to have this job that I do. But uh, knowing that when I'm gone, we have amazing talent is so reassuring. And I know that they're so amazing that I I, I like to rush back. (laughs) (laughs) I've told you that. I don't take it lightly. Well, you know, I noticed something while you were gone, Ursula. (laughs) I noticed now that you're back, Uh I'm way more calm. I'm just chilling. (laughs) I'm just chilling. I love that. You know, that's what do you think, chef? I think Ursula is worried about the wrong things. Ursula, like, you know, 70% is, like, better than the rest of us at 150%. So, you good. I love you guys. Ursula, what you going to do the rest of the day? <laughs> um, you got to get your, your, your timing because that, that, that Philippine time, right? Yes, yeah. I'm, still, I'm, I'm still not totally there, but I, I'm catching up with a ton. Yeah. I'm catching, going through my mom's affairs and... Yeah, dealing with a lot of that stuff. So, but um, I'm just so happy to be back. Good. I've never been so happy to be back. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Ursula. Yeah, we'll do it again tomorrow. Chef, thank you, brother. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate you. Hey, the Jack and Spike show will come up next. You know they got something good for you. We appreciate you for listening. Love you for that. And as always, be kind. Hope you have as much fun as we have. So long, everybody. Sorry.